Welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. So it's not every guest and certainly not every day that I can check the following three boxes. Number one, uh, a genuine friend, uh, all-round good guy. So let's check that off. Number two, incredibly, incredibly talented, creative guy um, in the let's call it the Hollywood community, having worked with certainly the leading studios, some of the biggest names. But, and we'll discuss this, I believe if, uh, Saul Blinkov has managed to navigate through you know, a lot of the high-end names in, in, uh, you know, in Tinseltown um, and without being tainted by you know, a, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of what I think Hollywood has come to, to, uh, to symbolize for many, which is, um, it's all about externality. It's, it's Saul is a person of substance, certainly not form. And the third point, I think, um, Saul just recently launched Life of Awesome, which is an awesome, awesome podcast. And just looking through, scrolling down at um, some of Saul's topics, it just dawned on me that there's for sure connectivity in the in, in the premise or the thesis that launched the Anthony Gordon Show. So before I uh, welcome you uh, to the listeners, Saul. Let me just just give you a literally a sixty second uh, overview of really how we we launch. And I think uh, what's really developed traction, um, it really in the most challenging year for 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 many people, the pandemic. Um, as you know, I've been speaking for many years on campus and dealing with a lot of uh, public speaking, talking about a lot of topics which are germane. I think to to a lot of young people and what became evident and for you, this is uh, second nature, is that there's so much that's being imparted by pop culture uh, that is not only, it's not only erroneous, it's, it, it's quite destructive. Um, and this show stays away from religion, stays away from politics. I'm purely talking about how to ensure that people live meaningful and purposeful lives. So, I guess the first the first thing, just so the listeners hear our discussion uh, in context, is if, if you would just give uh, if give our listeners a little bit of an overview of who you are, you know how, how you got to where you are, and I think that will give people because when they hear you know a uh, a creative guy who's worked with the top names in uh, in Hollywood, animated for Walt Disney, uh, you know currently working as a, a supervising producer. Uh, on the DreamWorks hit show Madagascar, if anyone hears that in out of context, they they I, I don't think they would appreciate uh, that you're a very deep guy and that you're a very sincere guy, family guy. So I don't I don't want people to get the wrong impression. So Saul Blinkoff, welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. And if you could just give our listeners a little bit about who you are, that's I think a good place to start. Sure. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there and I, I really appreciate that yours uh, is accomplishing a task that I think is so needed in the world. And I just want to highlight that word and that word is meaning. Meaning. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think people wake up every day and they are looking for a life of happiness. If you ask most people, yeah. what are you living for? They'll say happiness. But I really think that there's a there's a deeper goal, and that is a life of meaning. Because quite often, happiness I feel can be dependent on outside experiences affecting us. 
But meaning isn't about an outcome. It's what am I working towards? What effort am I making? Because work can be meaningful. And I do try to put that into the work I do. Um, yeah, like you've said, I've spent my career working in animation. I started with the Walt Disney Company on the film Pocahontas as a Disney animator. And from there, I started working on Hunchback of Notre Dame and Mulan and Tarzan, lots of movies that uh, you know children around the world uh, have loved. I've been very fortunate in my career. I uh, got to become a director uh, on a Disney show, Doc McStuffins, which was a great show about teaching kids about yeah. it's okay to go to the doctor and it, and it's safe. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I, my career really started. Uh, I was 11 years old. I don't know how far back you want to go. But when I was a little kid uh, growing up in New York, I saw the sure. movie E.T., and that was really the thing that made me go, I right. want to make movies. You know, before that, I was just a movie goer. But when I saw that movie, Andy, I was, uh, I, I remember tapping my yeah. mom in the theater at the end of the movie. And I'm like, mom, that's what I want to do someday. She's like, what, you want to leave planet Earth in a spaceship? I'm like, no, mom, I want to make movies. Like, <laughs> you know, I grew up in New York. You'll, I didn't know any so film. You'll notice in the background, Steven Spielberg's calling me. <laughs> That's right. I hope so. But, okay. you know, look, I didn't know any filmmakers. I didn't know that that was even a career. All I knew was when I was 11 years old, looking up to that screen, it was something I wanted to do. I actually went to the library. Uh, you know, kids today have never even heard of these buildings to get information. They think the library is Google. Yeah. But yeah, there was actually a, a building, a freestanding building, kids, where you would go in there for a day and some little old lady would take you to a card catalog and you'd find a book. And I found out that uh, Steven Spielberg, the director of E.T., used to make movies when he was a kid. So I went and got a film camera, my twin sister, my brother, who's a year older, and I started making wow. movies. And every weekend I was making movies with, you know, fake blood and, and special effects and doing all these little films. And I was going to be a filmmaker. Then I was in high school, Anthony, and somebody came up to me in high school and they said, well, what are you going to do when you get out of school? I said, well, I want to be a filmmaker. They said, no, you don't. I said, no, yes, I do. They said, no, you don't. Because if you want to be a filmmaker, you're going to have to move out to Hollywood and Hollywood is filled with weirdos. And they looked at me and said, you don't want to end up a weirdo, do you? And I'm telling you, Anthony, right then, I gave up on my dream of wanting to be a filmmaker because one person told me I would end up a weirdo. It's, impress it's amazing how impressionable we can be in our lives. Uh, of course, today I do live in Hollywood and my four kids would tell you daddy is a weirdo. So, so much for that. But at that point in my life, yeah, I was very impressionable. I gave up on my love of filmmaking. I went to another yeah. movie that changed my life. I saw the movie, The Little Mermaid. Right. This Little is uh, a little mermaid. And when I saw that movie, I saw the combination of my two passions, my love of filmmaking, my love of drawing, because I was always an artist animation. And plus, I found out that the Walt Disney Studios has a studio in Orlando, Florida. There I am, junior in high school, and I have exactly my goal. My dream is to become a Disney animator. But, so just for our listeners, what was yeah. your age at this part of the story, roughly? Uh, I'm a junior in high school. So I think that's okay. about uh, 16 maybe about 16, 17. And I, I had my dream, you know? Um, but here's the thing. I had no idea how to achieve that dream. You know, a lot of times I'll ask students, I'll meet, I'll say, what's your goal? And the ones that are lucky enough to know, I'll say, well, how are you going to achieve that? And they're like, well, well, I don't know. Well, if you don't know how to achieve it, it's not going to happen. You know, you go to a great restaurant, you taste an unbelievable dessert. You can make it at home if you have the recipe. Yes, I did not know how to get into Disney. Today, you want to become a Disney animator. It's really easy. Go to Google and you type in, how do you become a Disney animator? And you'll find out in about eight seconds. Back then, yeah. that's right. No internet. But you know what I did have? 
the most supportive parents in history. My mom took me, not my older brother, not my sister, just took me to Disney World, walking me around Disney World, asking Disney employees, they're actually called cast members, my son wants to be a Disney animator. Can you help him? Like literally going off for Disney. Like how else do you do it? And because of that trip, I still remember getting on the uh, It's a Small World boat ride. And we're stepping yep. on that boat ride. And the lady at Disney is like, how many in your party? And I'm stepping on I'm like two. My mom's like, by the way, my son wants to be a Disney. Can you help him? The lady's like, man, this is a boat ride. You know, like, what do you? But we finally found <laughs> out that Disney <laughs> recruits their employees, their cast members from the Disney casting building, which was four minutes away from where we were in Disney World. So I go to this building with my mom and I open the doors and the doorknobs, Anthony, were the ones that were sculpted to look like the ones from Alice in Wonderland that talk. And I open, it's a Disney office building, so sure. it's going to look different, right? I open up the doors, I step into this atrium and there's gold statuettes of like Dumbo, Minnie Mouse, Mickey, even the air in that atrium. I can still remember that smell of like Disney air. Sometimes we take our kids to mm -hmm. Disneyland before the pandemic. And we always talk about how like Pirates of the Caribbean has a smell. And this ride, we love those Disney smells. So I'm in this lobby and the smells are amazing. I'm intimidated being in there. I walk up a ramp. It goes 50 feet yeah. up. And on the ceiling is painted Peter Pan and Wendy. And I get there for the interview and the woman says to me, what are you doing? I'm like, I'd like to be a Disney animator. She goes, well, we don't hire those. I'm like, well, who do you hire? She goes, we hire people that work the rides. You know, they make the Dumbo ride go up and down and it sells soda. <laughs> I'm like, that, that's not my dream. She goes, well, hold on a second. She walks out of the room, comes back in and hands me a piece of paper. And that piece of paper was the most valuable piece of paper I have ever held in my hands. Other than the contract that says my wife and I are legally married. Other than that piece of paper. <laughs> This piece of paper was a list of eight schools, eight art schools that Disney recruits their artists from. She says, if you want to be a Disney animator, you need to go to one of these schools. Well, in my hand was the recipe. And I saw it as an equation. Saul plus go to one of these schools will equal dream of becoming a Disney animator. That was the, that was the moment where I figured out, oh, this is what I want. Now, this is the how. And that's something wow. I urge your listeners to keep in mind. Whatever your goal is in life. It's so important to figure out the how. That's what that was. And then, of course, my mom took me on a tour to all these different art schools to see which would be, you know, a good fit for her son. And you got to understand, I don't know if you've ever been to art school. Just pick the strangest person you've ever met in your life and fill <laughs> an entire university with them. Okay. I'm talking <laughs> piercings and streaked hair and you know, crazy Right. Artistic. Group, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had one guy who was my roommate. I remember he had these red leather boots that went up to his knees. Everything he wore was black, black pants, shirts, hat. Everything was black, <laughs> except the only spot of color was these red leather boots. Now, these boots had 50 rungs for laces, but he wouldn't put the laces in. I'm like, why won't you put the laces? He goes, you know why? Because laces, that means conformity. I don't conform. I'm an artist. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, anything that. Yeah. Out of right. the mainstream. Out of the mainstream. So finally, I'm in school the first two weeks, and they we find out because it's a Disney feeder school, it's a school that Disney recruits their artists from, a guy from Disney World comes to our school. He's standing up on the stage there in the auditorium, and he is one of the head recruiters for Disney animation. He stands there on the stage. He looks out every freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. 750 students are in that room. 
And I will never forget looking around the room. It was the first time being in the school only a week or two that I saw how big the school really was. And the guy from Disney says this. He looks out to us and he says, how many of you want to be Disney animators? Every hand went up. And he 750 said 750 hands. Exactly. And he says, out of the 750 of you, maybe, just maybe four of you will ever work there. That's how competitive it is. And when he said that, I thought one thing, I wonder who the other three are going to be. Because I love in that. life, I we either that. believe in ourselves or we don't. You know, you and, honestly, you know, so you honestly, it wasn't even oh, not even, a, you know, why entertain the possibility that you were not going to be get the gig. Yeah. I mean, probably because my parents filled me with a lot of support and love. They brought me a great art teacher. But at that point in my life, I had a lot of a lot of confidence, not ego. But I mean, there's a certain sense of ego you have to have. But I just knew that deep down I had a fire and a craving and a visualization. I had such clarity that this is what I wanted to do, that this is what I was going to do. And I knew that nobody, nobody would outwork me. And I want to tell you something, and this is absolutely true. Absolutely true. If you looked at my quality of work for when I started school, I'm telling you fact, I was one of the worst artists in the school. That's a fact. I was the I, literally one of the worst because art, my, many people think art is like, oh, my son's talented. It's, it's, it's a discipline. You definitely need some talent, but there is a discipline yep. involved. You know, Michael Jordan became Michael Jordan because he took 750 jump shots every day before breakfast. There's yep. a certain discipline. And I just remember feeling that. I remember feeling that, you know what? I looked around the room and I'm like, none of, no, none of them are going to work as hard as me. I will well, outwork so, them. So what? You, 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 I don't even think you realize you just nailed, literally nailed one of the repeating themes on the Anthony Gordon show. And that is, and I say this with, with compassion, I've got kids that are, you know, in the millennial generation, is that growing up in an environment where the notion of instantaneous gratification, what's the shortcut, the concept of a work ethic is, unfortunately, it's, it's become an anathema. It just doesn't exist. It does. It's an unbelievable thing. Yeah. You know what else made, I was really fortunate. I'll tell you this, that first week in school, you know, it's a new school. So you're making friends, you're seeing who you're going to be friends with. I was lucky enough that in the room next to me was this guy named Andy. And he was one of the greatest artists in the school as a freshman. Wow. But the guy had one of the most incredible work ethics. And I remember while other kids were being lazy and, and, you know, slumming off their homework. He was always working. As a matter of fact, the first time I met him, we were outside, he was drawing, we were playing basketball and he was drawing the basketball players. And I said to him, why are you drawing basketball players? Is that for a class? He said, no, I'm drawing because I want to get better. And he became my best friend. And I'm going to tell you just being friends with a guy like that made me a better artist, gave me better discipline because who we choose to be friends with actually affects who we become who we choose to be friends with affects who we're becoming along the way so one of the one of the uh episodes that we did uh was with andy bernstein andy bernstein is the official photographer of uh, the nba uh the lakers he co-wrote uh the mumba experience with the late uh, kobe bryant wow so he's yeah see and he's become a good friend so andy said i was asking you know he's incredibly close to kobe Exactly your point, Saul. Uh, he said that nobody 
nobody had the work ethic, the drive, you know, whatever raw talent he had just took it to the next level. There's no shortcuts. Right, right. I mean, he really did. And and he's he's been an inspiration to me also. I was just uh, speaking to my wife about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, when Kobe Bryant died, if you look at all the articles written about his life, most of them were not written at all about the accolades he achieved in basketball. They were written Brilliant. about him as a father. And I can only assume, knowing how difficult it is to be a father, look, I have four kids from seven to 16, and being a parent takes work, right? It takes a lot of work. Um, but I'm thinking that he must have put the same, if not more discipline and work that he put into basketball into being a parent. And the only way to do that is to work on oneself. Look, we're all flawed. We all have mistakes that, and things we need to work on. But I think part of his greatness isn't just his legacy of basketball. You know, I always equate people to diamonds. A diamond is bright when it gets many, many facets, right? The more facets it has, the brighter it is. It illuminates lights. Michael Jordan, who was my hero growing up in the 90s, his facet for basketball was incredible. No one will deny that. And of course, my son's classmates are like, oh, it's, you know, LeBron James. I'm like, no, Michael Jordan, just shush. You know? So, <laughs> but Michael Jordan's facet of basketball, no one will deny is wonderful. But that facet will only always be just one facet. Fatherhood, that's another facet. And basketball has nothing to do with it. His facet of being a husband, or, and I'm not making a judgment on him. I'm just saying our careers are really only one facet to who we are. But hopefully that the effort and discipline and clarity that we put into career we're putting into every aspect, every facet of who we are, relationships to who we are, and ultimately focusing it into working on ourselves. Because the same way that I grow and discipline myself through art, it's the same way I put it into every aspect of my life. Yeah. I'm going to send you, uh, Saul, I gave a talk called Life Lessons Learned from Kobe Bryant. Mm, beautiful. That I gave oh, I'd and, love to and, see that. It's got nothing to do with three-pointers. There you go. There you go. That's amazing. And, you know, the other thing about Kobe is that you hear it from his teammates is that he really elevated his teammates. He really oh. brought out the rest. And that's what Andy did for me in school. And I'll tell you, um, being in school the first year, Andy and I would go to figure drawing. You think that Disney wants cartoon characters in their work, but they don't. They want all drawings of humans and animals done from life. No cartoon characters. And we would go to the zoo. Oh. Can you help me understand what the difference, sure. the difference between, uh, you know, a, a drawing from life versus a cartoon? Mickey Mouse is a cartoon, correct? Yeah, Mickey Mouse is an animated character. But when you're drawing Mickey Mouse or Aladdin or Mufasa and the Lion King, okay. you're telling a story through a character's pose and movement. Animation is, is life. It's the illusion of life. That's what animation is. It's movement. So in order to make that effective so that you care about characters you're watching, you know, when Walt Disney made Snow White, they couldn't believe for the first time in the world, people are watching drawings, animated characters, and people in the audience were crying. Yeah. How is that? Because when Snow White is lying there, and they think she's dead and they walk over. How do you walk when you think someone's dead that you love? You're not just bouncing over. So how do you know what that walk looks like? You have to observe it in real life. And that's why we as animators have to study drawings from life. Disney didn't want to see any cartoon characters in their portfolios to get into Disney, just drawings of humans 
and animals from life. And the other thing that drawing from life enables you to do that photos doesn't enable you to do is you develop your eye to see movement. See, if you're drawing a photo of an animal, then you're just copying what it looks like, but you're not seeing how it moves. Nothing stands still. So when we would go to the zoo and watch an elephant walking back and forth for 30 right. minutes, that's what's so great about elephants, by the way, is they, they do the same action over and over again. So I could do a hundred drawings of movement. And I will never forget Anthony going to the zoo one day with one of our classes. It was a bitter, cold, freezing day in Ohio. And me and 15 other students, we go to the zoo and we go right to this cafe they had in the zoo and everyone's getting the hot chocolate and the warm drinks because it's bitter cold and it's freezing. It's not LA weather, okay? And while they're at the zoo, we're there in the cafe, me and Andy get our hot chocolate, we drink, and then we go out and we start drawing. After about 30 minutes of drawing these elephants, we noticed there was no other students around us. Finally, at the end of the hour, we get back on the bus and we say to the rest of the students, how come you guys never came out to the elephants? They were awesome. What animals were you drawing? And their students were like, well, we never came out. Like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, we stayed in the, in the cafe the whole time. And I remember looking to them going, why didn't you come out? And the answer they said was profound. They said, we can't come out because it's too cold. Oh, oh, you wow. mean it's uncomfortable? You see, if you would ask any of those students while we were on the bus to the zoo, what's your dream? They would say, oh, my dream is to be a Disney animator. I want to work at Disney. Look, I got Mickey Mouse in my sweatshirt. So you only have that dream when it's convenient, when it's comfortable. As soon as it gets a little bit of difficulty, a little bit of pain, a little struggle, you're out. You see, most people will dream big, but when they realize they have to go through a little bit of discomfort, they don't want to get out of their comfort zone, then they yep. stop. They stop. Another thing that people do, I find, which is a dangerous thing, is that people convince themselves that they're on a plateau that they haven't achieved. You know, if, if I wear the right sweatshirt, if I wear this in my life, whatever, I'll convince myself that I'm more successful than what I really am. And I remember that's what separated me from Andy. And I really, I, I really owe that to Andy for having that influence on me. Yeah, we were freezing out there, but guess what? We drew elephants anyway. And we got our portfolios together. And actually sophomore year, I sent my portfolio in just to go through the experience of it. And I got rejected, but I didn't even wow. care. You know why? Because look, I got an envelope with the Disney embossed logo on the top <laughs> left and my name was typed. They, they, they knew I was alive. I was so happy. I took that letter, <laughs> put it up over my desk, you know, another year goes by. That's when Andy and I send our portfolios in together and we send them in. And a couple weeks later, I was home in New York. I remember, and I got a call from Andy. And he told me that he got into Disney. He got the Disney internship. I couldn't believe it. It was like so he was one one of the seven one of the four spots. Oh yeah, he was one, and he was. Uh, this is this is our third year of school, junior year. We both sent our portfolios, and at this point, you have to remember everybody knew that Saul and Andy are going to get into Disney because these guys never stop drawing. Wow. And we send them in, and I get a call from him. I was home in New York. He's like, "Man, I got in." I'm like, "That's amazing." He's like, "But you didn't hear anything." I'm like, "No, but they could be trying to call me right now. I have to hang up. We didn't have call waiting back then, right?" <laughs> so I hang up the phone, <laughs> and my parents come in the dining room. Like, what happened? I'm like, "Mom, Dad, Andy got into Disney." She's like, "Oh my gosh, they're going to call any minute." And we're waiting. The phone's not ringing. And I'm getting nervous, just like the expression you're making. So you know what I did, Anthony? I, I picked up the phone and I called the head of Disney myself. Well, who does that? Well, I, I did. Yeah. 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 You know, I always say to my kids, because when there's something you want in your life, you will do anything to get it. 
Yep. If there's something you want you to do, when I was uh, growing up in New York, I told you I love Michael Jordan. I was standing next to the Madison Square Garden. It was a Madison Square Garden. I'm standing next to the court before a game, and Michael Jordan is on the court. 15 feet away from me and I'm watching him. He's got those breakaway pants and he's dribbling his ball. He's got that game focus look on his face. And I said to my older brother, I'm like, Jay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to shake Jordan's hand. My brother's like, you're before he could finish that sentence. I'm in the middle of the court. True story. Looking up to my hero, number 23. And I looked up to Mike and I said, hi, Mr. Jordan. And he looks down at me and says, quote, you ready? Yep. Yo, how you doing? End quote. And he shook my hand. <laughs> I love it. The hand I've never washed. Yeah. You know why I stepped out there? Because you got to get out of your comfort zone. When there's something you want, you do anything to get it. So I called the head of Disney and I said to him, listen, my name is Saul. He's like, oh, I have your name on a list. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, you didn't make it. I said, oh, my what do you gosh. mean? You didn't make it. I said, well, what about Andy? He goes, yeah, he made it. You didn't. And I'm telling you right then, that was one of the most bittersweet moments. I'm just telling you right now, I, I still feel the emotion of it. It was a bittersweet oh moment. Gosh. Sweet because I was happy for my best friend. Andy's going to Disney World, the happiest place on earth. And I wasn't going to be part of that dream. It was over for me. And I go but back to second. school. Yeah, that's the, that's the gold medal, right? That's the gold medal. What Was there even a, a thought of, is there a silver medal if, you, if you're in, in like... Art school, you're, you're either, school. No, you're either in or you're not. By the way, just so you know, time frame, there was no DreamWorks. There was no Pixar. If you right. wanted a job in animation, remember, A Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin was coming out. Everyone in animation was noticing Disney was making these big, big movies. And when I got back to school, I will never forget walking the halls of the school and having people come up to me going, oh, blink off. What are you doing here? Where, oh, you, oh, you didn't make it. Oh, hey, where's Andy? Oh, he got in. Oh, you didn't make it. I became known it's as rubbing. the guy who was friends with the guy that got into Disney. And I felt, like, like, I felt like a loser because I became known as the guy, literally known as the guy that didn't get what he really, really wanted. And then I came up with the most brilliant way of taking that feeling of being a loser away. And if any of you are listening and you've ever, you know, had a moment in your life where you feel like a loser because you don't get what you want to do, what I did, and that feeling goes away in a second. You know what I did? I gave up. You gave up? I gave up on the entire dream. Instead of becoming a person that didn't get what he really, really wanted, I took away the thing I really, really wanted. Because reality set in. Reality is Andy's an awesome artist and I'm just average. Okay, I want it really bad and I work hard, but he was just natural and I wasn't. I gave up on the whole dream. Done. Remember I told you in the beginning when the guy from Disney came and I really believed in myself? Yep. At this point in my life, the light switch was off. I didn't believe in myself. And I even just telling you that right now, I still feel it. I still feel like that feeling of like, you know, I always say we all have a shoulder angel and a shoulder devil, you know, and that shoulder yeah. angel wants us to do great things and become great people. But the devil's like, who do you think you are? That's not for you. That's for people that they made Netflix documentaries about. That's not for you. That's not for average you. And I gave up. And then a week later, somebody calls me up. One of my buddies, he's like, I got tickets to go see a movie. You want to go? And I said, I'm not in the mood. He's like, but they're free. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go. <laughs> you know, when you're in university, someone offers you free, you take it. <laughs> so I go to the movies and I'm watching a movie. It's the third movie I'm watching in my life that changes my life. And tears are streaming down my face. And you ever see a movie and it just talks to you for what you're going through in life, you know? Totally. So I'm watching this movie and this movie is a true story about a guy who's five feet tall. He doesn't have an ounce of athletic ability and he wants to play football at Notre Dame. Do you know what movie it is? 
Do you know the I movie? I, I think I know the story, but go ahead. The movie is called, and some of your listeners are yelling at their radios right now, sure. at their iPhones. It's called Rudy. And yep. the movie Rudy is based on a true story. This guy is five feet tall. He athletes are football players are six to seven to ten feet tall, right? I mean, well, my, my size, right? Yeah, they're huge guys, you know, right? They're huge. <laughs> they're huge guys, and he wants to get into Notre Dame. And if you were friends with a guy like this, and he told you his dream was to play football at Notre Dame, you know, what you would have told him, dude, I love you. Get a new dream. But you know what Rudy said? Oh, yeah. yeah? Well, we'll just see about that. And he tries to get into Notre Dame, rejected. Tries a second year, rejected. But third year, rejected. But fourth year, if you look at the movie poster for the movie Rudy, it says, when people tell you dreams don't come true, tell them about Rudy. He gets in. And I remember sitting in the theater, Anthony, and I'm sitting there and tears are streaming down my face because I'm thinking one thing. If an unathletic kid could get into Notre Dame with an insane amount of hard work, that an untalented artist like me could get into Disney with an insane amount of hard work. And I decided right then and there, I would never give up again. And you know what I did the next day? I called up Disney, the same guy on the phone. And I asked well, I have him, to, uh, I, tell I me. hate to interrupt you because you have a beautiful story to Beautiful story to You don't have the South African accent, but you got the whole package. <laughs> you know? I, I, there was an article. I, I think I, I might have sent it. Uh, in, you know, in this the emails leading up to this. The reason I think we've had some success in this program, in this podcast, is hope. Yeah. So many stories of of overcoming things. This is a beautiful. There are people saw out there as we come. Hopefully, the tail end of this pandemic that have given up, that are struggling. This is. I couldn't have scripted a better story. Mm, it's amazing. Yeah. It, right. There's people out there. If you're alive, if you're a human being alive, then you're going through pain. Don't, don't tell me Jeff Bezos doesn't have pain. Believe me, he has pain. Oh, sure. <laughs> Everyone does. It's what it means to be human, you know, but like you just said, the word hope, you know, one of my favorite movies is Shawshank Redemption, you know, that movie. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman's, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for any of your listeners, but in that movie, there's a man who's put in prison. And he's sitting in the, the table, like the very first night at prison, he's sitting with the other guys. They're just getting to know each other. And Morgan Freeman's character looks at this man, Andy Dufresne is his name. And Morgan Freeman, Freeman says like, what did you do to get here? He's like, well, I was innocent. They're like, well, we're all innocent. They're making a joke. But Andy <laughs> Dufresne says to him, he says to him, but I have hope. And Morgan Friedman says to him, hope can get a man killed in here. You see, hope is that one little spark in us that knows that however life is right now, it could be better. And we can never lose that hope because once you lose that hope, you don't get out of bed. Then that shoulder devil is telling you, just stay in bed, just hit snooze again. And I had given up, like I told you. And then when I called up the head of Disney and I got him back on the phone, I asked him this question. I said to him, how close was I to getting in? Remember when, when I heard I was rejected, I just heard rejected. I felt like I was miles away. He said, Saul, I'll never forget this. He said, Saul, we pick 17 from over 3,800 portfolios from around the world. You made it to number 20. How, when I got how, rejected, how number 20 out of 3,800 portfolios, I had only missed it by three. They picked 17. I made it to number 20 on the list. That That's means huge. I was so close. And I, I think to myself, how many times in our lives are we so close to achieving what we want, but in our minds, we feel like we are miles away. And then I asked him the magic question. 
why didn't I get in? You see, when we fail in life, we need to find out why. There's a difference between being a failure and failing. Two different things. All failing is, is an opportunity to grow. If we look at it that way, think about like a a toddler, a one-year-old learning how to walk the first time. They take that first step and they fall. And what do they do? Right back up again and fall and right back up again. But they're failing. And can they walk right now? No. All they can do is take a step and fall on their butt. But when we become adults, we're like, oh, if I fell, that's it. I'm a failure. No, you're not. You failed, which means you have an opportunity to grow. And he told me, in your drawings, you need to put in perspective. Stand on a stool and draw the model. Or or I I went to the Columbus Zoo, and I asked them to let me draw the giraffes backstage there. And I will never forget, they bring me back there. I climb this scaffolding when they're feeding the giraffes, and and I'm looking down at a giraffe and doing drawings. How cool is that? Like, How often in life do you get to look down at a you know 40 foot animal it was really cool so i got new drawings together and uh i sent them into disney and uh, a couple weeks later i got a call from andy and he told me the great news that i got in that i got in on the internship and i started on at, at disney there and i'll tell you this when i walked into that entrance the first day and it said artist's entrance and i walked into that entrance at the walt disney studios i'm telling i'm telling you the story right now i get emotional thinking about that day and I walk in there and I'm, I'm getting goosebumps and I look in the corner and there's a wooden animation desk. This is before CG animation, computer animation. This is hand-drawn animation. And in the corner is a desk with my name on it, Saul Blinkoff. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, somehow the stars are in line where I'm supposed to be here. And I want all your listeners to understand one really important thing. When you're done listening to this episode, don't think that you heard from a guy who was really talented that got his dream of becoming a Disney animator. I wasn't. You heard from a guy who got his dream, who was the worst one in his school. Nobody wakes up great at anything. So if nobody really wakes up great at anything, why would you not try for everything? Everything that you want, because it's really simple. Get clarity. So this is great. Repeat the last uh, last, uh, sound. Well, yeah, just the idea that nobody wakes up great at anything. You know, we, we get in the, we get in our minds that greatness is something that people just wake up with. It's, it's Michael Jordan's teammates that can tell you that he was outworking everybody when they were playing in the, uh, the dream team Olympics that summer, I think it was 92 and they were just relaxing on vacation. Michael Jordan was practicing there. Like it was the finals. He yeah. treated every moment like Kobe, the same thing. So yeah. that was really the beginning of my job. And I'll tell you this, Anthony is like, once I started at Disney, I was surrounded on my internship with artists from around the world who were a hundred times better than me. And all that journey and challenge began again. And my life and my career has given me many challenges to become a director and a producer, many challenges. But I've really learned from looking back at any accomplishments that I have. And I think that if we all look back at any accomplishment that we have, it's energizing to continue the climb. You know, if we're climbing up Mount Everest, be careful not to stop halfway and convince yourself that you're on top. Because why would you want to stop halfway? Because it's hard to keep climbing. Life is difficult. Mm -hmm. But what we have to remember is the end of our life. It's not getting names in Disney movies that matter, working in Tinseltown, getting rings on a finger. None of that matters. I really ultimately believe that the end goal of life is to just grow along the way, to become a better person. My kids could care less that their dad worked on Pocahontas. Who cares? You know what they want to know? Did my dad try 
every day to become a better dad. Beautiful. Do, you know, we have to work on ourselves because at the end of the day, there's a beautiful quote I once heard is we're not human beings. We're human becomings. We have to grow and evolve. And at the end of the day, once we're working on ourselves, to me, that brings a life of meaning. That's magnificent. That So firstly, without scripting you, it's unbelievable uh, how you've, ch- you've definitely touched the raw nerve of the premise of the Anthony Gordon show, uh, which is people somehow think, as you well put, it's the person who wins the race. It's how you run the race at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and it's somehow people in my life, as you well know, I've rep- represented in different capacities, unbelievably renowned celebrities and athletes. And the journey to get there, stepping stones, st- naysayers, it's, you know, so I, I think that because I want to be respectful of your time, here's what I try and do to all our guests because I think you've, you've given some incredible teachable moments here. If you had to recommend two movies, just two movies to our listeners that you think captures the, the, the thesis that we, we've discussed about believing yourself and never letting go and just also understanding, you know, that, 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 that life is tough. What two yeah. movies would you... First of all, there's no better question than anyone could ever ask me because of my love of movies. And if my yeah. wife was here, she would say, don't ask him that because you're going to need another hour. Because he, my the husband, whole body language change. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're asking me the greatest question. I wish I got asked these questions when I was in high school learning, you know, chemistry, <laughs> math. Um, so here, here's the two movies. It's not even hard for me. One of them is the one I mentioned. It's Shawshank Redemption. Let me tell you why. Yeah, tell me why. Shawshank about. Redemption is about a man who is... Um, He's put into prison uh, and you know from the beginning that he's innocent of the crime. I'm not spoiling anything for anyone who's listening. But by the way, if you haven't heard it by now, you should have it spoiled for you because it's been (laughs) 35 years. But he's put in prison. What's that? Who played the the protagonist? It was uh, Tim Robbins is the actor. Okay. And he's put in prison and he's innocent. And the whole message of the movie, every movie has a message or a theme. Very, very simple. Every single successful story has a message that the writers and filmmakers are trying to give you. And the only way that you, the viewer, will connect with that message is if we connect with the main character. We have to connect with the protagonist. You know, when we saw Karate Kid the first time and he did that big kick at the end, we didn't leave the theater thinking we were watching a movie about some kid with karate. We thought we saw a movie about us who yep. was making a kick to people in life that treat us like we're nothing. You know, we're trying to, to grasp Very for air well and say that I matter. It, it connects us. Luke Skywalker hitting that button in, in Star Wars. That felt like us. So Shawshank Redemption is a movie that deals with one message. The theme of that movie is you could be in the worst hell, the worst pain, the worst struggle, the worst prison. But in your mind, you can be free because the message of that movie is get busy living or get busy dying. Don't think right now that there's people on vacation in Hawaii that don't feel like they're in prison. They do. And there's some people that are locked up in some no air conditioned office going crunching numbers that feel free because freedom is also ultimately it's a mindset Get busy living or get busy dying means every day, no matter what I'm doing in my life, I have the opportunity to choose life. 
and meaning. That's number one. Now let's move to the world of animation. Sure, you're unbelievable, buddy. This uh, is unbelievable well, stuff. If I had made the movie, then I'd be unbelievable. I'm just yeah. telling you what I love about it. So here's the other movie. It is an animated film. I think you've heard of it. It's called The Lion King. And here's why. Oh. Okay, Lion King is, first of all, when Lion King came out, it was the biggest animated movie of all time. This is BF, before Frozen, okay? Now, what's so great about that movie? It's not that we love movies about lions that made it successful. The movie starts out with Simba. He's young. He sings a song, I just can't wait to be king. Someday he thinks he can do anything he wants. There's actually a scene in the beginning when his father, Mufasa, says, Simba, there's more to being a king than getting your way all the time. Simba's like, there's more? He thinks being a king means you can do whatever it is you want. And then something happens to daddy. Well, it's a Disney movie. They always kill a parent off in the beginning. You know, Bambi lost, right? There's always a dead yeah. parent. So hopefully I didn't spoil it for anybody. Again, if you haven't seen no, it, the movie's like 40 years old. You should have seen it by now. <laughs> Daddy dies. Simba goes off into Hakuna Matata world. Hakuna Matata, right? Hakuna Matata, right? What a wonder. One of my yeah. daughters. If you're on that podcast today, Dad, you're not going to sing, are you? I said, why? Would that embarrass you? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm definitely <laughs> going to sing. So Simba goes, I think if you're a dad and you haven't embarrassed your teenager today, you're not no, doing a good job. Exactly. Right? So what happens? So he goes off into Hakuna Matata world, the world of no worries, no responsibility. And midway through the movie, Nala shows up. The little girl line from the beginning when yeah. they used to play, she shows up and she's like, Simba, it's good to see you. And they sing their song, can you feel the love tonight? I just embarrassed my daughter again. Good. And they have their little love song and they're singing. And there's a pretty good voice. They saw. Hey, you know what I mean? It's the microphone. So they're tossing around the sunset. <laughs> it's beautiful. Then she says to him, Simba, you need to come back with me. He's like, why? She's like, cause scars taken over everything. She's like, he's like, no, no, I'm staying here. She's like, maybe I didn't make myself clear. You need to come back with me because everyone will die. And you are responsible. And she says the word responsible. And then you know what he says? Hakuna Matata. I'm staying right here. And she's like, I can't believe you're not going to be. He's like, well, you're beginning to sound like my dad. She goes, at least one of us does. And she leaves him right there in the movie. The Lion King creators are telling you, you know what the essence of a great relationship is? Sometimes when you love someone, you have to go against them. You have to go against them. But just a minute ago, you loved him. You were in the sunset. You were kissing, rolling around. Yeah, but I see his greatness and he doesn't see it in himself. Crazy. She leaves him. He's left alone. He looks at his reflection in the water. He sees his father's reflection, right? Remember who you are. He goes back, defeats Scar, climbs that rock. The rain goes away. The music is dramatic. And that movie becomes the biggest animated movie of all time. Not because we love movies about lions, because when you see Simba climbing that mountain, we're seeing an example of what greatness is. And what greatness is, is one thing to wake up every day and think, how can I take responsibility for the world? Not to think, how can I just be happy with what I get? And where do we take responsibility? Wherever in life we have the ability to respond wherever we have the ability to respond it. in our life that is responsibility and ultimately that's meaning that's why we love shawshank when andy dufresne is standing there in the rain washing down on him we want to be that and we can be that waking up with the goal of not thinking what can i get but how can i contribute to the world for ultimately not a life of happiness but a yeah. life like you said early on a life of meaning 
So uh, again, we're, the curtain's about to to drop here because of the time constraint. I could speak to you for for hours. I I want you to picture the scene. You are uh, turning ninety five, mm. so that's okay. I mean, it's about seventy years from now. Uh, there's ninety five candles on that a uh, chocolate cake. You're surrounded by your significant vanilla. Other, vanilla. I'm a vanilla uh, fan. Uh, I like vanilla. It's my birthday. I get to pick the cake. Keep going. Sorry. Vanilla, vanilla, magnificent cake. You've got your beautiful significant other. You've got your diamonds of your beloved children. You've got your closest friends. You've got people who really have had the most profound influence on you. The boom mic is going around. What do you want them to be saying about you? I want them to be saying that Saul lived every moment of his life trying to have an impact on other people, was sensitive to the feelings of other people, and tried to use all his passion, love, ability, talent to be able to share inspiration to other people to find their own true potential. That's it. And, and then I tried to work on myself. I tried to become a better version of who I am. That's it. There's nothing else. I will tell our audience, uh, and I will. I, I definitely know you well enough uh, to uh, to say unequivocally that that's who you are. So I think the most beautiful thing I often tell people that the the Hebrew word for face is panim. It's plural. Why is it plural? Because ultimately, the highest form of peace of mind is when your external and your internal are in parity. And I think that in Saul Blinkov, one of the unbelievably unique things, notwithstanding the fact that the industry that you've excelled in, in many ways, has a premium on externality and a certain sense of, you know, looking perfect, that you are a wholesome human being. Some of the pearls of wisdom that you've imparted today, I have no doubt will resonate. And I encourage our listeners Check out Life of Awesome. It's Saul's uh, new podcast. Is uh, I, I think, and I say this uh, at the risk of being biased as a friend and a, uh, someone who I really respect. Um, you know, in in the, the world where the industry that you've chosen, which is really a world of form, you're such a person of substance, and I want to wish you complete success. I want to wish you only good things. If people want to check you out, if you could give us a URL. Uh, your podcast, because I'd like to, uh, I think people like you, uh, your voice definitely should be elevated and whatever I can do and we can do, uh, uh, you know, to achieve that, that end, uh, would like to do. I, I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to be alongside you, you who have inspired me for so many years and our paths have crossed many times. Um, I wish you continued success on making the impact you're making I'm humbled and honored that you had me as a guest. Um, if people want to find out more, uh, you can go to my website, which is Saul, S-A-U-L-Blinkoff.com. I'm also on Instagram where I share different um, lines from movies that inspire me and some of my own quotes and pictures of my family and all kinds of interesting things. Uh, but again, I really appreciate you having me. And uh, thank you so, so much, Anthony. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. Continued success. God bless. And thank you. we'll see you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother.